Hey guys, this is Phil. Thanks for joining us for the Vision Church Podcast. Hey, this past Sunday we talked about intimacy and how you can't have intimacy without first having relationship and what that looks like and what that takes to develop and to grow in your relationship with God. And so I encourage you just to ask the Holy Spirit to minister to you as you listen to this podcast because I think you're really going to enjoy it. So in James chapter 4, and we're going to look at verse 8. But before I read that, how many of you know that Jesus is called in the Bible the groom? And then we're called, we being the church, what are we called? We're the bride, right? So you have a groom and you have a bride. In fact, you can find this in many different scriptures in Revelations 19, verse 7, in 2 Corinthians eleven two, 2, and Ephesians 5, 25 through 27. It refers to Jesus as the groom, church as the bride. The reason I'm bringing this up is I hear a lot of talk, especially lately, and it seems like, um, you know, especially in the last year, a lot of talk about the word intimacy, intimacy. And and people having an intimate relationship with the Father. And when I begin to think about intimacy, I begin to think about, you know, of course, my wife and I and our relationship, because I looked up that, I had to go back and look up that word in, in the uh, Noah Webster's 1828 dictionary. You know, sometimes it's a good idea to go back and look up words that you haven't looked at the meaning for a while, instead of just assuming you know what the word intimacy <laughs> means. And so I went back and I looked it up and it said the closest familiarity. So for instance, my wife and I, we've been married 29 years and uh, that's not very long. I realize some of you have been over 50. How many of you are over 50 in here? All right. Yeah, I knew there were some people. And I met a couple the other day, they were over 60 years. I said, man, how did you do that? Wow, that's amazing, 60 years. I heard, I heard a story, I'm sorry, I have to share this real quick, it's just a little joke. But, but this, guy, this little girl, she was working as a cashier, uh, you know, at, at a uh, grocery store. And so there was this older couple that came and they were about to celebrate their 50th wedding anniversary. They got in line, they were talking all about it and this young girl heard them talking and she said, wow, you guys have been married 50 years? And she said, yeah, we've been married 50 years. She said, I couldn't imagine being married 50 years. And the wise <laughs> wife of this elderly couple, she leaned over, touched her arm, and she said, well, sweetheart, don't get married until you can. So that was the end right there. Okay. Yeah, it wasn't actually a joke. That was actually a life lesson right there. But when you think about intimacy, I think about my wife and I and how we know each other. She knows me pretty well. I mean, she can anticipate what I'm, what I'm doing. You know, it was a little frustrating because she went on a mission trip uh, a couple weeks ago and she was gone for a week. So I had the house almost to myself. You know, my mother's way on the other side. So it's like being alone, you know. And so I'm, so I'm, I'm in my room and my wife calls. It's, it's, it's at night. It's about nine o'clock. I'm actually waiting on her call, you know, because she typically calls once a night and lets me know I'm safe. Everything's okay. So she calls and she said, so sorry to interrupt your movie, but you know, <laughs> I went, what? <laughs> As I'm pulling my earphones out, you know. <laughs> okay, but it's that intimate, that's the kind of intimacy that Nicole and I have had. But we didn't get there in a week. 
You know, we, did, we didn't date a week and suddenly automatically we knew each other. I remember our first date because I remember it because I, I, I had to blackmail a friend to get her number. They wouldn't, she wouldn't give me her number. And so I told her I would, well, it was blackmail. You guys fill in the blank. So, and she gave me her number and I, and I called, I asked Nicole out cold turkey. You know, I just called her out of the blue and I said, hey, look, we'll go to church and then dinner. That'll be our date. And so she said, okay, well, we'll go out, but it's only as friends. And I was okay with that because, you know, I knew what God would eventually do. Yeah, which took about six years. But anyway, <laughs> but we went out and we laughed and talked the entire time. We just laughed and talked. There was just this amazing connection. But let me tell you, even after that first night, and even though we just talked and laughed and talked and laughed for hours, even after that, she doesn't know me. She didn't, still didn't know me after one night the way she knows me today. Why? Intimacy. Intimacy. So, so I, God had put it on my heart to talk to you guys about intimacy. And when he did, I began to pray because I said, Lord, I, I don't want to bring what Phil has for people because that doesn't make a difference in people's lives. I want to bring what you have. What is it that you want me to talk about? And so he took me somewhere surprising. Somewhere I didn't expect, because when I began to think about intimacy, I thought about this. Can you have intimacy without first relationship? Man, can you? And that just hit me, and I thought, man, you know, we reach intimacy through relationship. Relationship grows and it grows and it develops and it turns into intimacy so that Nicole is reading my mind, so that I'm reading her mind whenever that happens. I think it might happen once or twice, but I do know her really well, you know. But knowing him starts with us. Now, did you find James? Some of you still looking for James. James chapter 4. Look at verse 8. I want to read it to you out of the NLT. It says this. It says, Come close to God. Come close to God, and he will come close to you. In the, in the New King James, it says, draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. So let me ask you a question. This is basic question. This is even, this is even a, a test that it's just easy. Um, who, did, who moved first? I'm giving you the answer. We did. He said, draw close to God, and he will draw close to you. So it's our job to draw close first. I, I heard a story about this uh, older couple, and they were in their pickup, and they'd been married 50 years, and they were driving down the highway, and the husband was driving, and the wife was sitting over by the door, you know, and they were down, going down this country road. Coming the other direction was another pickup, and the other truck passed, and they couldn't see until it got close. And when it got close, they noticed that it was, it looked like one person, but it was actually a, a boyfriend and a girlfriend sitting so close together, it looked like one person as they come driving by. And so they go by and both the husband and the wife, they see it. And the wife turns to the husband and she says, how come we never sit that close anymore? And he thought about it like a wise man. You don't want to answer right away. You want to collect your thoughts, right? And so he collected his thoughts, and then he responded. He said, well, I didn't move. I'm still here. Yeah, okay, don't crucify me later, okay? So, but let me ask a question. Let me ask a question. 
Are we more interested in being touched by God or having a relationship with him? Does that, does that make sense? Um, you know, kind of like the boyfriend-girlfriend where they always have to touch. I have experience with this because when I was young, I, you know, it, it was, you know, relationships were, that was the big deal. You held hands, right? You know, and it progressed from there. But, but if you've always, always got to be touching, can you go an hour without touching? What's this relationship built on? Is it built just on physical touch or is there an actual relationship there? Is there an actual connection? Is there an actual friendship with that person? And so for me, you know, as I was looking at this, I thought, man, God, you want us to have a relationship with you. You're not, we shouldn't just be all about God, touch me. God, bless me. God, do this for me. No, it's God, what's on your heart this morning? Because if I were to ask many of you in here, all of you probably, and, and you said, and I, well, let me just ask you, if, if you were going to get to know God, what are some ways that you would get to know him? Just, just throw out some things. Read the word of God. Prayer. Spend time in prayer. Can you think of some more? Communication. Jesus. Worship. It's good. Now you're real close on worship to where I'm going. Lay at his feet, praise. Yeah. I mean, these are all wonderful ways that we can grow in God. Let me tell you something that hit me. And, I, oh, my word, you just have to go there. Turn over. I'm going to mess up my notes because I'm jumping way down. But Matthew 7, Matthew chapter 7, my son said go, so I'm going. This will kind of mess with you. Matthew chapter 7, look at verse 21. It says this, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Did you guys hear that? Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father will enter in heaven, of my Father in heaven, will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, we cast out demons in your name, in your name we performed many miracles. But I will reply, I never knew you away from me, you who break God's law. And this is the reason I said you were real close on worship. Because what worship is, the very first time that worship is even mentioned in the Bible was with Abraham. Abraham, you remember, remember God asked for his son. He said, tomorrow I want you to go where, I show you, where I'll show you and I want you to offer your son as a sacrifice to me. And what did he do? He obeyed. And when, when, they, when they stopped at the bottom of the hill and they were going to climb the hill and all of his servants stayed there, Abraham turned to his servant and he said, you guys stay here. The, the boy and I are going to go and worship and we will return. So the first time the word worship is used in the Bible, it's in association with obedience. Is that making sense? And in light of what I just read in Matthew chapter 7, that he said, only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven. These are the people that 
God knows. Man, I don't know about you. I, I don't just want to, to come in here and have worship experiences or moments or be touched by God. I mean, I thank God for that. I do. I do. I grew up in a charismatic church. I grew up around Pentecost. I grew up around people that were on fire for God, and we saw all kinds of interesting things. <laughs> Some things were overly interesting, you know, but we saw God move, though, on people's behalf. We saw legs grow out. We saw uh, eyeballs replaced. People could see. I mean, it was amazing things that I've seen in my lifetime. And so this doesn't sound very spectacular. Let me put it this way. Okay, Zach and I were talking about this last week. So, so planting is exciting, isn't it? Because at our house, we just bought a house. And when we bought the house, the, it's 14 years old. So all the bushes were 14 years old. So the bushes were as big as I am. Okay, so we, Nicole cut them down. She wanted a chainsaw for Mother's Day. So she's, she's cutting down these bushes, getting rid of them. And then Zach and I are digging them out and we're, pull, and we're discovering snakes. We saw four different snakes. These are homes too. We destroyed their homes, you know. But it's exciting for Nicole because once we got all that out, now she's planting. She's planting new things. And now neighbors are stopping by going, man, your yard looks amazing. You're, you know, you're, it looks great. You're doing a great job. It looks beautiful. And that's encouraging because it's exciting to plant. What else is exciting in relationship to crops? Harvest, right? The plant grows, yields a crop. I'll tell you what's not exciting. Watering. My wife, I told you she was gone on a mission trip for a couple of weeks ago for a whole week. And she said something very scary to me. She said, Phil, I need you to keep my plants alive while I'm gone. I'm sorry, I mean water my plants while I'm gone. I thought, you're talking to me? <laughs> Are you serious? I mean, I had a cactus and the only reason it stayed alive is cactus don't need water. I mean, you know, not much. I need a little bit, but not much, you know, and... And she wanted me to, okay, I'll get over it. All right, sorry. Huh? Yeah, so I prayed for rain, and it did rain some. It didn't rain enough, but it's amazing what a little water does, because we have this, she has this uh, plant, what's that plant out by her front door that you have? A fern? Is it the fern? And it blossoms? Oh, no, it's flower. It's a flower plant, some kind. And so she has this flower plant, it's in a pot. Well, I walked by it the other day, and it didn't look good. I mean, it looked terrible. It was like wilting and it's dying and fading. And Nicole goes in and she gets a pitcher of water, waters it. And I come back an hour later and this thing looks like it's brand new. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing what a little water does. Isn't it? But the watering is not exciting. Why? Because you don't see the harvest. You don't see the growth. You don't see. It's not very fun, is it? So it can be boring but without the consistency of watering you don't you're not gonna you're not gonna have a, a healthy plant are you all right okay you're about to get into my message i can tell oh, i'm feeling it i'm feeling it it's all right it's all right all right i want to take you to another place so turn over to um john chapter 14 john chapter 14 so 
Relationships flourish when you give them time, right? You know, I, I, I get sad for children that I see sometimes that the father doesn't spend enough time with them because it's inbred in all men to be the provider. I mean, God has put that in us just like he's put in women um, this anointing to nest, to be an amazing home designer and, and nourisher. I mean, you know, God has created us with giftings. Now, if you're a woman, that's not your gifting. Don't be offended, okay? Because it's not all men's gifting to, but evidently to be the provider they need to be either, uh, even though they need to be. Um, but so, so for, for me, when I see a father who's not willing to sit down with his son, play with the cars, you know, or play catch or whatever his son wants to play, but he'd rather stick a vi another video screen in front of him, then I wouldn't be surprised later if you don't have the close relationship that you really want to have. Because how do you develop a close relationship with someone? You spend time with them. You know, um, when I was thinking about Nicole and I, and when we were dating, I was, I was kind of nervous. I you know, I asked myself a lot of questions. Or is, will I be able to trust her? I mean, you know, you have a lot of questions when, when you're dating and you really don't know someone very well. And I didn't know her very well, and so I had a lot of questions just in my mind. I don't have those questions now, <laughs> okay? I mean, she bought a house that I hadn't even seen, so I, I fully trust her. I do. I've bought cars that she hasn't seen, so, you know, it works both ways. But, but, I mean, I trust her now, but when I was thinking back, I was thinking about all those questions that I had, you know? And so, as you're walking toward, toward this, you know, really, it's a matter of spending time with her. The more time that I spent with her, the more confidence that I had in her. And that's why, you know, when we would go out on dates, I, I tried to not go to the movies very often with her. I tried to take her to like the museum or go to the zoo or go somewhere where we could talk. Why? Because I wanted to learn about her. And I think sometimes because Nicole and I, we, we both work with young people that uh, have gotten pregnant early. And so I counsel with young men, Nicole counsels with young women, and we do that uh, weekly and get to meet with these guys. And, and, what, and I know exactly what's happened is she looked amazing across the room. So it just, you know, all, all you have to do is give into your flesh. But then now what they're trying to figure out is because now that they're pregnant, now that they're going to have a child, now what they're trying to figure out is do we connect? Are we, can we be friends? You know, will this work on a relational? And so it's a backwards mindset, you know, because now they're trying to invest the time where they just bypassed the time and went straight to fulfill a desire. Is that making sense? Okay. So let's read John 14. Look at verse 7. So, <clears throat> so here we have... This is Jesus talking. It's in red. Verse 7. He says, If you had really known me, you would know who my father is. 
from now on, you do know him and have seen him. Why? Because you're looking at me. Over and over and over, Jesus said to the religious leaders, he said, listen, you don't know me because you don't know my father. Well, that's phenomenal because you think about the religious leaders, what were they doing all the time? Studying the word, studying the word, studying the word, reading the book of Isaiah. I mean, they're reading the scrolls, reading the scrolls, reading the scrolls, reading the scrolls. And here, and what do the scrolls prophesy about? Jesus. And here Jesus comes and they're like, who's this guy? They don't recognize him. Why? Because they know about God, but they don't know God. See, I can know all the stats about Michael Jordan, but I, don't, I do not know Michael Jordan. We, didn't, we haven't eaten lunch together. I know, I know you're disappointed. We didn't. I don't know Phil Mickelson either. I know a lot about his stats, but I don't know him. Just because you know about somebody doesn't mean that you know him. And so we can err as Christians on it's all about the Bible, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. I can't say that very fast. The Bible. <laughs> it's all about reading. It's all about studying the word when, wait a minute. No, there's a relationship that God wants to have. God doesn't want me to just read about him because what I find in the word personally is things that I can do, ways that I can obey him. Because his word tells me what his commands are. I'll show you that here in a minute. So the heart of the father, he wants us to understand his heart. And see, the father can be misunderstood when we don't know him. If we just spend all of our time just reading the Bible, but not spending any time in prayer, does the Holy Spirit have an open door to convict, to reveal mysteries, to help us understand the mysteries that are written in the Word? I know, I know for me, my, both of my kids, they understand me really well, because we spend a lot of time together, so they know my heart. Well, it's happened a couple of times, maybe more, where I've said that so they had a friend over and I said something. And their friend took it the wrong way because their friend, they don't know me. So they don't know my heart. And so my kids, you know, it doesn't offend them. Why? Because they know my heart. So let's talk about a couple of people in the Bible that were very close to God. Because how many of you would like to get very close to God? Yeah, come on. I would love to be very close to God. So, so let's consider a few people. Let's first look at Moses. Moses, would you say, had a very close relationship with God? Yeah. I mean, he was, the, he was the guy that was coming out of the tabernacle, and he had spent so much time with God that people couldn't look at his face. I mean, he came off of the mountain, and he's glowing. It's like a nuclear glow on him, and people can't even look at his face. So he's having to cover his face. Because here's what happened. When God delivered Israel out of Egypt, he took them to Mount Sinai. Why did he bring them to Mount Sinai? Because he wanted to bring them to himself. He wanted the people to come to him. And not just Moses. He used Moses to free the people. And he wanted to bring everyone to him. He wanted to have the same relationship. But what happened? They came to Mount Sinai. They saw the thundering. They saw the lightning. And they went, no, 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 no. He's going to kill us. Moses, you talk to him. You tell him what, you, you tell us what he says. Well, how would you feel if your child did that to you? Dad, don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. Don't, just tell my sister. Have her tell me. 
Well, that's a real warm relationship, isn't it? Man. And so here Moses, though, was obedient. He delivered the children of Israel. He did everything that God told him to do all through Egypt. And because of that, God delivered them out of Egypt. And then he brought them into the wilderness. And then he continued to obey God. And so can you see in correlation to Matthew chapter 7 that we read that his obedience caused him to grow in his knowledge of the Father? Did they grow closer because of his obedience? Yeah, yeah. In fact, and what about another person? What about Abraham? Let's look at Abraham for a minute. I talked about him, about how he took his son up and he sacrificed his son. That was obedience. He, he, obeyed, he obeyed and he left home. He left his family and he traveled to the new land that God took him to. What about David? His obedience defeated the giant. He was anointed king. Why? Because he had a heart after God. He wanted to know God. And then what about Joseph? Joseph loved God and wanted to obey God. So he didn't allow Potiphar's wife. He ran from her. He didn't allow her to, to tempt him. He, you know, his brothers betrayed him. But yet God brought him into a position where he was number one in Egypt. So, so let me read one more scripture and then I'm going to ask, uh, I'm used to saying Rebecca, but I'm going to ask Spencer. <laughs> Some people say, you know, I, I love God. So I want, I want to address that for a minute. Because notice what God said in John 14, verse 15. He said, if you love me, obey my commandments. In other words, if you love me, you'll, you'll obey me. I, if I can say it this way, God is not our BFF. And I think some people kind of treat him like that. He's not a best, he's a father. Son, Father. See, I have a different relationship with my son because he's not the little guy that he was all those years ago. Man, when he was three and I took him to the zoo, it was a blast. I mean, because every, everything was huge to a three-year-old, and I loved it. You know, now he's a little bigger, so I've, I've had to transition. Our relationship now is I'm still, I'm still his father but we're, we're more friends than we are. Why? Because he's 24 years old. He should be functioning on his own. He should be living his life. But we have, we have a father-son relationship is what I'm trying to say. And this is the kind of relationship that our Heavenly Father wants to have with us. He wants to have a father-son, father-daughter relationship. He loves us so much but I think we've been missing out I, I know for me you know and when I think about knowing the father I think about reading the Bible and I think about spending time in prayer spending more time in prayer spending, spending more time in prayer but I honestly haven't heard a lot about and and hadn't read a lot about obedience and how obedience draws me into a closer relationship with the father because what does disobedience do? Drives the son away. Remember the prodigal? It drove him away. He took off. 
But when he came back, the father brought him right back, loved him. So my question this morning to you is, are you, are you taking obedience as a part of your Christian walk? Or do we want God to be like sand and conform to us? God, I'll pray a prayer and I'll ask you to come into my heart, but you know, as long as I can keep living the way I'm living, as long as I can keep doing this, as long as I can keep dating this person. As long, it's not God's fault that, that the Holy Spirit convicts us when we do something that is not pleasing to Him. And have you ever done that and you don't feel right on the inside? You just kind of have this like nail on the chalkboard experience that you're like, oh, yeah, I, that doesn't seem right. You know what that is? That's the Holy Spirit convicting your heart. That's an automatic. You know, if we're doing things that we're not supposed to be doing, it's God trying to help us to get back on course, to ask him to forgive us so that we can live the way that he intended us to live close to him because God can't be where sin is that was what separated him from Adam and Eve but here's the good news Jesus died not not that it would be impossible for you and I to sin because God didn't take away my ability to sin he took away my ability to enjoy it (laughs) I can't I you know if I mess up now I, I, let me tell you this. Okay, our, my relationship with Zach and Becca are our kids. Those of you that are new, you've never been here. Um, and the reason we have a great relationship with them is, is I, I, I'm not going to attribute it to me because it's all by the grace of God or anything that Nicole and I did. It's, it's by the grace of God. But I will say this, the Holy Spirit, Spirit showed us how to do one thing. And that was that when we were wrong, to go to them and tell them and I have from when he they were little if I if I was wrong in something if I corrected them and I knew I was wrong knew that they didn't deserve that or whatever it was I went back to them and apologized to them and asked them to forgive me and I believe that that's why we have a part of the reason that we have the close relationship that we have today and see that's the same thing with our father God our father God wants us to use first John 1 9 when we make a mistake when we mess up when we say something to somebody out of anger or frustration or we get mad at somebody or we sin in some way that we go back and we apologize and we come to the father and say Lord I didn't, man I messed up on that I'm sorry please forgive me is that hard I mean, I don't want to say it's easy because what gets in the way of it is pride. You guys remember Happy Days? Some of you are old enough to remember when it was actually on in television and, and we used to watch it. And My parents would let me stay up and watch it with my older sisters when it came on on Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock. And, and I remember there was a character on there. His name was Fonzie. And one of the attributes that they gave this character was that he had a diff- great difficulty saying, I was wrong. Remember that? He would say, I was 
<laughs> you know, he didn't want to say it. What is that? That's pride. That's pride. But when we admit that we're wrong and we come to the Father with a humble heart and we say, Father, forgive me. You know what he does? He forgives you. He cleanses you from all unrighteousness. And you know what? He reinstates you. It's automatic. And so this is why Jesus died on the cross, so that we could be forgiven, so that we could live a sinless life. Did you know you could do that? Man, when you come to the Father and you ask Him to forgive you, it it cleanses you. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just search Vision Church. If you would like to help support this ministry, you can do so at visionnwa.com forward slash give.